This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On November 21st, 1783, two men rose into the air, carried by a balloon made of paper and silk. The balloon was lifted by hot air, created by a fire on the platform that the aeronauts stood on. They rose to a height of 500 feet and landed 25 minutes later and five miles away. Their feat was so unexpected that the farmers and peasants who watched them land thought they were demons coming from the heavens. They apparently calmed them with bottles of champagne. This first flight was, by all accounts, relatively simple. But all it would have taken was an errant gust of wind to turn this leisurely jaunt into a disaster. Because, as beautiful as balloons are, they are totally at the control of nature. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to True. In Cleveland, Ohio, in 1986, the nonprofit charity United Way hosted a fundraising event that they hoped would lift spirits, open wallets, and generate some positive PR for the city. The project manager for the event, Tom Hollowock, said in an interview with Gizmodo, quote, The guy from the United Way who dreamed this up had been in marketing at Procter & Gamble and was trying to rebrand Cleveland as cool. They decided they were going to do this by setting the Guinness World Record for the biggest simultaneous balloon launch. The existing record had been set by Disneyland the previous year, in honor of the 30th anniversary of the park's opening. But Cleveland was going to do it bigger and better, and they were going to raise money to address poverty and improve access to essential services at the same time. The ambitious project was called Balloon Fest 86 and was spearheaded by professional balloon artist Treb Heining. The plan was that the balloons would be released in a giant simultaneous launch. They would safely float away until they deflated and fell back to Earth. The balloons were made of a special type of latex that would quickly biodegrade, causing minimal harm to the environment. The morning of September 27, 1986, 2,500 volunteers, including many students, gathered to inflate the balloons. Their target was to inflate 2 million balloons. You can inflate a balloon in three seconds, four seconds, I understand. How long is it going to take these kids with no experience? We're figuring that they'll do about two to three balloons a minute. I've been doing this since I was 15 years old, so it's unfair to compare. But uh, two to three balloons a minute, each kid is going to do uh, correctly about 700 balloons or so uh, for the day. And, and we'll do it in about four to six hours, all the balloons. Don't remember, folks, don't park on the square because this ain't the place for your car this weekend. <laughs> the United Way had sold sponsorships to raise money at a cost of $1 for two balloons. Volunteers filled the multicolored balloons from helium tanks, tied them off, and let them go. They floated upwards into a giant net, three stories high. It was a complex and intricate setup. The net was attached to the top of a complex metal scaffolding structure, measuring 250 by 150 feet. The setup filled Cleveland's public square and was as large as an entire city block. In his interview with Gizmodo, Hollowock said, quote, The one-piece net was fabricated by the exact company I found in Southern California who built the cargo nets for the space shuttle. As the balloons strained against the net, 
the clusters of color began to resemble huge mushroom caps. Ladies and gentlemen, live from downtown Cleveland, in front of the biggest happening around! On the day of the event, the weather forecast showed a 70% chance of rain, with winds heading north. But the rain had held off that morning. Newscasters joked that the balloons might drift across Lake Erie into Canada. Organizers had predicted that around 10% of the balloons would end up on the lake. So it sounded like they were prepared for any eventuality. But as the team of volunteers was filling the balloons, news came that a low-pressure system with rain was on its way. The balloon count was at just over 1.4 million, short of the 2 million target. But because of the weather, organizers made the decision to release the balloons early. At 1.50 p.m., the countdown began. Five, four, three, two, one. Here Take we go. Lift off. Amazing. Over one million five hundred thousand balloons going up in the air at this very, very moment. Look at the countdown. We did it. The helium-filled balloons snaked their way into the sky. The colorful mass worked its way around Terminal Tower almost looking like it was moving in slow motion. Helicopters around the city broadcast images of the balloon launch. It was a sight like no one, and certainly not those in Cleveland, had ever seen. But it was to be short-lived. Mother Nature had been underestimated, and it would be a case of best-laid plans gone awry. What went up would be coming down, with unexpected and chaotic consequences. As the balloons drifted into the atmosphere, they floated right into the cold front headed toward the city. What was expected to happen was that the balloons would float to about six miles above the earth before bursting. Science had shown that a small percentage of balloons would drift back down to earth. It was estimated that this would result in less than one balloon per 15 square miles. But the oncoming cold front changed all of that. It prevented the balloons from rising and the cold air and rain pushed them back down to the ground. About a million of the balloons descended while still inflated. These balloons quickly became a public nuisance. They created chaos and resulted in damage and injury across Northeast Ohio. One mass of balloons settled outside the city in Medina County, in a pasture where thoroughbred Arabian racehorses were grazing. The majestic animals were spooked by the sudden arrival of the balloons. Many of them bolted and collided with the fence, suffering permanent injuries. Balloons blew back into the city. Traffic came to a standstill, with balloons congesting the roads and rubberneckers stopping to marvel at the sight. The result was multiple traffic collisions, as motorists were understandably distracted by the colorful display. Not only road traffic was disrupted, at nearby Burke Lakefront Airport, balloons landing on a runway resulted in a shutdown. But when organizers thought things couldn't go from bad to worse, they did. That morning, the U.S. Coast Guard had been out searching Lake Erie for 40-year-old Raymond Broderick and 39-year-old Bernard Sulzer. Coast Guard, Roger Captain. How many persons on board and do you have a GPS position over? The men had been out fishing the previous evening 
but had not returned home. The Coast Guard was in a race against time to find the two men. Their 16-foot boat was found around 8.30 a.m., the morning the balloons were released, up against the Edgewater Park break wall. It had been pushed there by the current and winds. The boat was damaged and the motor missing. Inside the boat, they found a blue cap, a fishing rod, and two orange life jackets, but no sign of the fishermen. Rescuers on the water scoured the horizon with binoculars, hoping for any sign of the men, but they encountered an unexpected and incredibly frustrating obstacle. Thousands of the inflated balloons had descended upon the surface of the lake. It was estimated that 60% of the balloons that had been released had settled on the lake's surface. As one of the Coast Guard authorities said in an interview, quote, It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. You're looking for, more or less, a head or an orange life jacket, and here you have a couple hundred thousand orange balloons. It's just hard to decipher which is which. The airborne rescue effort wasn't having any better luck. It was impossible for the search helicopter to navigate the skies full of descending balloons. As the hours and days passed with no good news, the search for the men was called off on September 29th. Tragically, the bodies of both men washed ashore shortly after. It took several months for the balloons to break down. It turned out that the biodegradable latex wasn't so biodegradable after all. The balloons that covered the lake and caused concern on Saturday are no longer here today. No one's quite sure where they went, but at least they're no longer posing a threat to fish and wildlife, and they're not littering the lake. The balloons washed ashore in Canada, making the cleanup another country's problem. One resident in Ontario said he was still seeing thousands of balloons washing up on the beaches two months later. In the end, Balloon Fest 86 was a disaster on many levels. The event did draw attention to Cleveland, but not for being the cool and forward-looking city like they wanted. It also did not raise money to support the community as planned. Balloon Fest was far more expensive than initially projected. The event cost the United Way $500,000 to execute. Legal action was taken against the United Way, as well as Treb Heining, who organized the event, and the city of Cleveland. The wife of one of the fishermen who drowned sued for $3.2 million and later reached a private settlement, as did the horse owner whose horses were injured. The only good to come out of this terrible situation was that the Guinness Book of World Records decided it would no longer accept mass simultaneous release records given they are environmentally hazardous. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. In the United States, one of the greatest holiday traditions, especially in New York City, is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. The parade has a long and colorful history. It includes floats, marching bands, live music, cheerleaders, casts of hit Broadway musicals, and the iconic Radio City Music Hall Rockettes. Millions of people line the streets to see the event live, and more than 44 million watch on TV. Since the very first parade, Santa continues to be the grand finale of the festivities. The giant helium-filled balloons, led by teams of handlers through the streets of Manhattan, continue to be the iconic imagery of the event. The balloons are made of light rubberized silk on sturdy ropes, maneuvered by groups of approximately 90 strong people below. That might seem like a large number of people to handle a balloon, until something goes wrong. And then you'll wish you had more. The first Macy's Parade was in 1924, two years after the famous department store opened. Macy's had expanded its New York City location to take over an entire block. To celebrate the opening of what was now the world's largest store, Macy's decided to throw a parade. The event was not a celebration of Thanksgiving at all, but is in fact about Christmas and kicking off the start of the holiday shopping season. That first parade marched six miles from Harlem to the new Macy's store in Herald Square, and featured floats, exotic animals borrowed from the Central Park Zoo, store employees, and at the very end, Santa Claus. But no balloons. Not yet, anyway. The event was a success, and quickly became an annual tradition. The only part of the parade that was a bit of a challenge were the animals. They did not enjoy their time on the streets, and their reactions scared the children. So, in 1927, the parade swapped out the animals for giant character balloons. They were safer and less unpredictable, they were kid-friendly, and because they were up in the air, they could easily be seen by the crowds. Back when the parade was first started, Macy's put a lot of thought into getting the balloons up and in front of people, but not as much thought into getting them back down again. At the end of the first parade, they weren't sure what to do with them, so they just let them go. The second year the parade featured balloons, someone came up with a brilliant marketing strategy. The balloons would be released into the air, intentionally this time, and gradually deflate over the course of a few days, thanks to a slow leak mechanism. Once they returned to the earth, whoever was lucky enough to recover one could return it to Macy's for a $100 reward. That's more than $1,500 today. Not a bad payday right before the holiday shopping season. What could go wrong? The 1931 parade featured Felix the Cat. The cheerful black-and-white feline set off with the other balloons in the parade from 110th Street and Broadway. The lead marching band played Roll On, You Mississippi, Roll On. 
As each giant balloon approached 34th Street, they were inflated with additional helium to ensure their ascent into the air would be as smooth as possible. Felix the Cat was set free and sailed over the Empire State Building. But according to the New York Times, this is when trouble started. First, Felix was spotted by a plane of sightseers, piloted by Colonel Clarence Chamberlain. Chamberlain was a famous transoceanic pilot at the time. Someone on the plane suggested he grab the balloon, which he did with one of his wings. He was also able to grab one of the other released balloons. Felix, however, slipped away and drifted north. A New Jersey resident told the New York Times she saw the balloon make contact with an electrical wire. The silken rubber promptly burst into flames. But this was just one of Felix's nine lives, and he was seen again in future parades. In 1932, organizers again plowed ahead with their plans to release the balloons at the end of the parade. Despite warning planes to stay away from the area, a 22-year-old student pilot was having a flight lesson over Queens shortly after the balloons were released. A 60-foot yellow-and-black Tomcat balloon sailed into her view. She had the quick idea to nab herself the reward and flew her plane right into the balloon in an attempt to deflate it. The left wing collided with a balloon, and the rubber and silk wrapped around it. The aircraft made a terrifying and sudden plunge toward the ground. The cabin door flew open, and the student pilot almost fell out. The flight instructor regained control of the plane, and the student was saved from falling to her death. The debacle marked the end of any further balloon releases. Prioritizing safety over publicity, balloons would now be responsibly deflated by organizers at the end of the parade. It was probably a good idea from a business point of view anyway. When balloons landed, they were often set upon by crowds frantic for the reward. The result was a chaotic tug-of-war that left the balloon in shreds and people trying to turn in scraps for their $100. Most of the accidents involving Macy's parade balloons have been pretty innocuous, and some have even been funny. In 1957, the lovable comic strip character Popeye made his first appearance. The crowds were captivated by the trademark squint and bulging muscles of the 56-foot-tall balloon of the Sailor Man. It wasn't until it was too late that some parade-goers and Popeye's handlers realized he had another surprise in store. It had rained before the parade began, but not enough to deter the crowds. Unfortunately, the concave top of Popeye's sailor cap acted as a reservoir. As the handlers maneuvered him around a particularly sharp turn, he tipped sideways dumping gallons of freezing water onto unsuspecting spectators. A fun family outing, to be sure. Almost 40 years later, in 1993, the video game character Sonic the Hedgehog made his first appearance in the parade, but the weather was not cooperating for his debut. Just before 10.30 a.m., on West 58th Street near Columbus Circle, strong gusts of wind blew Sonic into a lamppost, puncturing his left eye. When the balloon fell backwards, it tore the glass bulb from the metal post, sending debris and shards of glass falling to the ground. In the chaos, a 10-year-old girl suffered minor injuries, while an off-duty police officer sustained a broken shoulder, but both later recovered in hospital. Luckily, Sonic was taken in for repairs and made a speedy return to the streets, reappearing in the 2011 parade. But organizers were about to face their worst year yet. 
1997 parade proved to be more eventful than years before, and not for the right reasons. Like the 1993 parade, 1997 also had high winds, with two balloons in particular meeting a disastrous end. One was an incident involving the Dr. Seuss character, the Cat in the Hat. The balloon, which had first appeared in the 1994 parade, was a staggering six stories tall. One of the many who turned out to watch the parade that day was 33-year-old Kathleen Corona, along with her baby son and husband. Wind gusts were over 40 miles an hour. The handlers of the Cat in the Hat balloon struggled to maintain control. At 72nd Street and Central Park West, it all came undone. The balloon crashed into a steel lamppost, knocking the top off. The 300-pound chunk of iron fell into the crowd below. Now, Eyewitness News. Frightening moments during today's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Huge wind gust came down, hit that light post right on top, sprung a big leak, a big chunk about four feet long fell right down to the crowd. Four people were injured, two quite badly, including Kathleen. She sustained a fractured skull and was in a coma for 24 days. Following her discharge from the hospital, Kathleen filed a lawsuit against the city, Macy's, and the lamppost manufacturer. Kathleen's bad luck continued after the parade. In 2006, she was involved in another bizarre incident. The plane belonging to New York Yankees pitcher Corey Lytle flew into Kathleen's apartment on the Upper East Side. The baseball star and his flight instructor were killed upon impact with the building, but thankfully Kathleen wasn't home at the time and her family was uninjured. The Cat in the Hat incident wasn't the only disaster in the 1997 parade. Barney the Dinosaur was also having a heck of a time. Strong winds caused the dinosaur to knock over a tree at Central Park West. But when Barney and his handlers reached 51st Street, there was a visible struggle to maintain control of the balloon. Video footage shows the wind was so strong that Barney's handlers were at risk of being lifted off the ground. Dozens of parade officials rushed in to help stabilize Barney, which they did by sitting on the handlers, who were desperately clutching to the ropes as the balloon strained against the wind. The end was not pretty. Barney swayed wildly and was blown into a lamppost. A gigantic hole was torn into Barney's right-hand side, causing him to immediately deflate. He continued to blow around uncontrollably. Now, the New York Police Department rushed in, knives at the ready. They hacked at the fabric to release the helium, probably a traumatic sight for children who were fans of the singing dinosaur. However, Barney returned to the parade in 2003, resurrected in the form of a brand new and much more controllable balloon. In 1785, Jean-Francois de Rosier and a partner were killed when trying to cross the English Channel in a hot air balloon. This is widely considered to be the first fatal aviation accident in history. Who knows, that may have been the moment when balloons went from fun and entertaining to terrifying.
True is a production of Imperative Entertainment. This episode of True was researched and written by Gemma Harris. The executive producer is Jason Hoke of Imperative Entertainment. The cover art and design were created by Jenna Sullivan. True was created and is produced by me. Have any comments or questions? Email us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. As always, a huge thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.